Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. This series has been based on a book by Scott Sauls called A Gentle Answer, and I would highly encourage you to pick this book up. The goal of the book and the goal of this series is to help us know how to offer something different in a culture of outrage. In the last part of this series, we talked about anger in a message called Doing Anger Well. And we said that there are two kinds of anger, righteous and unrighteous, and that righteous anger is a good thing, that for people who are going to follow Jesus, it's a necessary thing as we come across things in the world that aren't right. But how do we keep it from moving towards sinful anger? Because that's always the temptation. Someone does something to me that I don't like, someone hurts me and I get angry. And, and my anger is not a sin, it's just an emotion, but it can lead to sin if I'm not careful and it can lead to me turning inward and getting bitter. There's something that we can do about that. It's a practice that the Christian faith is built on. A practice meaning it's something we do regularly and something we have to practice. You, you can't really follow Jesus and not do it. You can't grow as a Christian and not build this into your life. You can't have peace if you don't do it. You can't experience joy if you don't do it. You can't be an effective person of reconciliation in the world if you don't practice this one thing. What is this practice that is so important? It's forgiveness. We do live in a culture of outrage. You spend a few minutes scrolling Twitter or your Facebook feed, and I guarantee you that in less than a minute, you will find somebody who is angry about something, and then other people who are angry about what that angry person said, and if you dwell too long there, you might find yourself getting angry too. I, I know something that's true about you, though. You don't want to be like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we like to look. It's like slowing down when you drive by the car accident. Everybody wants to look. But you don't want to be an angry, bitter person. I don't want to be an angry, bitter person. Now, there is one antidote to that. And I'm not here to tell you you're always going to like it. I'm just going to tell you that it's good for you. It will change you. And it just might change the world around you. And that thing is forgiveness. But forgiveness is hard. At least I think it is. Now, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's pretty easy. Like if somebody cuts in front of you in line or a, a neighbor keeps putting their trash can in your driveway, but then they realize it and they apologize. But what about when a friend hurts you or your boss lays into you again and again and again, or your husband or your wife breaks your trust? Forgiveness can get complicated. I remember one time being hurt by someone that I worked with and worked for. Uh, there were some harsh emails, there were harsh words involved, and probably a good deal of misunderstanding, and I ended up feeling like I didn't really matter. Like what I cared about, what I wanted to do with my life, didn't matter. Now, thankfully, God moved us out of that situation, but it took me a couple of years, if I'm honest, before I could really say I had forgiven him for what happened. Forgiveness can be messy. 
But Jesus says it's absolutely critical for you. So let's talk about why and let's talk about how. Now, now Peter, who was a dedicated follower of Jesus, he was listening to Jesus talk about forgiveness and reconciliation one day. And he had a follow-up question, which is great. His follow-up question was, was this. The Bible says that Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, seven might sound like a lot to you, or it might sound like a little. The, the teaching that Peter was familiar with was that if somebody sins against you once or twice, you're to forgive them. But after that, like a third time, it's not required. You were off the hook. And so Peter was thinking, well, I should be even more generous than, than that. So how about seven? Like, that's a nice biblical number. I bet Jesus will like that. And I bet he'll even think I'm a pretty generous guy if I say seven. He was willing to go way beyond what was expected, Peter was. Now, Jesus answered him this. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Don't just forgive seven times, do it 77 times. Now, Jesus in saying that, he isn't just saying, yeah, 77, and then on like offense number 78, you can like jack that person up. No, what he, when he's saying that number, he's using a figure of speech that means an infinite number of times. Forgive them always and forever. Thanks for trying, Peter, but that is not enough. If you wanna be my disciple, then you can't place any limits on the number of times you are willing to forgive people who offend you, who injure you, who insult and persecute you, or even betray you. That includes small stuff like the waiter getting your order wrong or somebody criticizing your politics, and it includes the big stuff when it feels like someone is tearing your heart out and crushing you into dust. That is forgiving like Christ has forgiven us, and it's messy, and it's hard, and it's gut-wrenching sometimes, and it's also full of grace and full of courage, and it's not easy. Brilliant author C.S. Lewis said that everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Why? Because it costs something. It costs us something to forgive, sometimes a lot, but Jesus said it will cost you more not to forgive. He goes on to tell Peter a story that illustrates this point. He says, therefore, the, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And, and as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant, fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The, the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, 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 so this king 
had a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. That's equivalent to $6 billion in today's money. And it was time to repay the debt. But the servant begged for mercy and the king took pity on him and forgave that debt. That's an enormous amount of forgiveness. But, but then the same forgiven man had a fellow servant who owed him 100 silver coins. That's, a, that's about $12,000 worth. Still a lot of money, right? But nothing compared to $6 billion. He's already been forgiven everything. So, so you would think in Jesus' story that he's telling, this man would see what he's already been forgiven and forgive his brother, but he doesn't. And it costs him everything. I want to draw your attention to three things that Jesus is saying here that, that we need to pay attention to. And the, the first one is this. When we don't forgive, it's because we've lost perspective. And it's easy to lose perspective. When, when, when I'm out at the beach or out on the lake or I'm just driving around town, I have no idea that the earth is, is round. You can kind of almost see why people a long time ago believed that the earth was flat. But when we see pictures of our planet from outer space, it shows us the real true perspective of our round planet. I, I'm going to have a hard time forgiving other people if I can't see how much I have personally been forgiven. If I refuse to look at it, if I refuse to accept it, if my world is, is all about me and, and what I do and what I have earned and what I deserve, that, this goes back to what you really believe about Jesus. Was he just a good man who taught good things so, so people could be good people? Some people believe that, but nothing could be further away from what Christianity really is all about, that Jesus was God come to earth who died for sinful people like you and me who couldn't repay our own debt. And so he paid it for us. That's our perspective. He doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. And his expectation of me is that since I've been forgiven so much, I should be able to forgive the debts people owe me. And when you consider it like that, when you get that perspective, then as the kids like to say, it hits different. Now, the second thing I hear Jesus saying is, is this. Forgiveness costs us a lot, but lack of forgiveness costs us a lot more. There's no doubt that forgiving somebody, especially if it's a really tough situation, is not easy. It costs you something, doesn't it? You're releasing them from their obligation to pay you back. And you may feel like, I need to hold on to this. I have to hold on to this. How could I forgive her for what she did? How could I forgive him for what he said to me? And it may even feel like if you forgive, you're giving a part of yourself away and, and you shouldn't have to do that. And in a way, you're right. You shouldn't have been hurt, but it happened. And you can pretend it didn't, but not for long. And, and when you're hurt, you really only have two choices. Hold on to it until you're nursing a grudge or worse, or forgive them and let it go. No doubt forgiving is the harder route, but it's the only pathway that leads to peace. And it's the only direction that lets you eventually let go. And it's the only choice that leads away from bitterness and towards a life of peace and joy. And when you don't forgive, it comes at a cost. And that cost is paid in your inner world and in your relationship with God. Why does God care? about forgiveness so much. It's because that's who he is. And the third thing that I see Jesus saying here is this, in no place in life are we more like God than when we forgive. When Jesus invites us to be more like God, when, when the Apostle Paul and the other New Testament writers write about it, they're not saying, hey, come be a judge like God, like only God can do that. They're saying God is a love 
fueled, grace-filled God, which makes him radical in this world, scandalous. And, and, and when we forgive, we're doing something that he does, something that makes little sense to the world around us, but something that will transform the world around us and help us become just a little bit more like him. In no place in life are we more like God than when we forgive. Now, anytime we talk about forgiving others, there are some things I just want to point out because we confuse forgiveness with relationship reconciliation and those two things are very different from one another. You can't have reconciliation without forgiveness, but you can have forgiveness and not experience a whole reconciled relationship with that person. So here are three things to keep in mind. Forgiveness is not acting like a doormat first. For forgiving someone is a move of strength not weakness. It doesn't mean you let them run all over you again and again. It doesn't mean you're condoning what they did to you and giving them license to do whatever they want. Forgiveness is not acting like a doormat. Second thing is this. Forgiveness is not automatic trust. Please separate these two things out. When I forgave my old boss for how he treated me, he, he and I didn't automatically return to the same level of trust that we had. It's possible to forgive someone and not go there, at least not yet. You, you can forgive someone for causing devastating pain and also make the wise choice not to trust them again. That's where wisdom in relationships needs to come in. It's okay and good to establish boundaries with people who have proven not to be trustworthy. And third, forgiveness is canceling the offender's debt. There's no way around this. There's no way to be a Christian and not do this because you have received forgiveness. You are compelled to share it. Let me, let me say that again, because you have received forgiveness. You're compelled to share it, to cancel the offender's debt. And that, that is only possible because of the cross. Here's what the cross does. The cross of Jesus reveals both our debt and our value. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in the book of Ephesians and still not when we acted like his friend or at least his foot soldier. No, while we were acting like his enemy, separated from Christ, we're not just bad, we're dead. Paul says it clearly. Again, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. We were dead in our own sin. In other words, our sin stacked up again and again and again in our own debt column so high that we were bankrupt and we couldn't pay it off on our own. And so Jesus came to pay it for us. This is why the cross not only reveals our, our debt, it reveals our value. What propelled Jesus to the cross? What caused him to give up heaven, to give up everything, and to come here and wallow around in the mud with us, to suffer and to die a death at the hands of people he created, the creator being murdered by his own creation? It was love, love for you and me. The cross isn't just a statement of your debt. It's a statement of your value. It's God saying, I know what you've done, and I still believe you're worth it. And once you understand, like truly understand what you've been forgiven from and why, it becomes a lot easier to offer that forgiveness to others. So the calling is difficult and it's profound and it's simple. Forgive as God 
in Christ has forgiven you. Let's pray. God, the only way that we can offer forgiveness, especially in the situations in our lives where it's hard and we've been hurt, the only way we can offer forgiveness is through understanding that you first forgave us. And it's incredible, God, that you not only extend that forgiveness to us and you want to repair our relationship with you, but you want us to repair, as much as it depends on us, our relationships with others around us. That not only is this a, a vertical between us and you, forgiveness, it should be extended horizontally into all of our relationships. God, would you help us do that? It's hard, this is difficult, it's not easy. And yet when we forgive God, it is freeing, it is life-giving to us. There's some today who need to let go of the bitterness and the anger and begin that slow, steady, healing process of forgiveness. Would you give us the strength to do that today? We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we wanna encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.